Welcome to the Software and Technology Podcast, brought to you by MarketScale. I'm your host, Elmer Guardado. Joining us to share his insight on small business marketing is Brad Plotho, VP of Brand and Communications at Wombly. How you doing, Brad? Good, thanks for having me. Yeah, of course, our pleasure. So Brad, can we start at the beginning? Can you tell us a little bit about Wompley and how it is you got involved in this industry? Sure, happy to do that. So I've been with Wompley for about a year and a half. I uh, came here after spending four years with a PR agency and helping venture-backed uh, growth stage technology companies, mostly software companies, uh, raise their visibility, uh, promote their business and their products, those kinds of things, and saw Wompley as a great opportunity because we serve small businesses with software. Um, if you think about the world of software, it's you know, eating the world to borrow words from a famous venture capitalist. Uh, software is really powering kind of every uh, corner of the experience for both businesses and consumers today. The real last frontier of software as a service is small businesses. They've been the last to adopt it because they've really been underserved by the small business software community. And they've uh, really been kind of doing business the old fashioned way for a long time. So that was pretty appealing to me and uh, really being able to market Wompley as a, a viable solution to help small businesses get more time, get more customers, really get leverage in running their business because they're such a fundamental part of our, not only our economic structure, but our social fabric. That was pretty appealing to me. So that's why I chose to come here to Wompley. Right on, right on. So Brad, in your experience, what's the fundamental difference between marketing a small business and marketing a big business? How do you have to approach these situations differently? Yeah, it really is fundamentally different. And so I think we have to acknowledge that one of the reasons that small businesses have been one of the final frontiers for software is that uh, they're harder to sell to, frankly. So if you think about the, the enterprise software market, this is a multi-billion dollar market today. Um, Salesforce is a notable example. You have countless examples that have uh, sort of come on their heels and built software for large organizations. They have big budgets. They have well-developed teams. They all have specific needs and software helps them perform their functions better. At a small business, you might have like a sole proprietor. Maybe they have a handful of employees, especially the very small brick and mortar businesses that we serve, um, the real mom and pop shops. Like they're trying to do everything. So first of all, they don't have the big budgets to spend, you know, maybe even tens or, or hundreds of thousands of dollars uh, a month on software. They don't have the sophistication or time to really kind of geek out on all those features. And so when you're thinking about how you distribute software and build software for a small business owner, it really has to be very simple. It has to be time saving instead of time consuming. It has to take work off of their plate and do jobs for them. And then it still has to be able to merchandise the work that it's doing back to the business owner so that they, they realize, hey, this is actually providing value for me. But it definitely can't consume their time. And that's something that we think about all the time here. So that's a very, a very different challenge. It's a harder challenge than it is for building a uh, software for the enterprise where you actually are trying to drive deep engagement in the software. And then the way that you actually sell it and distribute it is different too. So, you know, in a, a large enterprise, you might have a, a, a chief information officer, or a chief technology officer, or some like, you know, higher level constituent that moves from one organization to another and sort of transplants that software into the new place where they go to work. Not true at a small business. Like, the baker, the barber, you know, the salon uh, shop owner, they don't talk to each other. So you really have to find a way to go one at a time. That's why there's kind of very few uh, uh, small business software companies that have really gone uh, big at scale. Intuit's a, a classic example. Square's a good example. But uh, it's hard because, you know, it's a very siloed market. So what do you think is the main focus that's causing this societal change that's making all these businesses have to adapt? And what happens if they don't adapt? What's that secret sauce that everyone's looking for? 
Yeah, it's a it's a really good question. It's the fundamental question that drives our business and our business philosophy. So the the first thing that I would say is that we have clear evidence that that is changing, that whereas small businesses have not used software in the past to run their businesses, that's clearly changing. So there's one study by a company called TechIsle where they looked at small businesses and said, hey, are you using software to run your business? Back in 2011, about one in four businesses were doing that, small businesses. And you see this very kind of aggressive up and to the right arc over the next several years. Whereas at the end of last year, up to 94% of businesses were using software in their business. So there's clearly an adoption curve uh, taking place with small businesses. But the reason that this matters is because uh, the American small business has never faced more pressure just to stay alive, really. Um, and uh, you, you've got massive uh, competition for local markets. So if you're Amazon, you're not a multinational global player fighting for, um, you know, kind of national budgets. Um, you're fighting for local dollars. It's local commerce. And the same is true for big box retailers and big box uh, restaurants. All of them are competing for hyper local market dollars. And so the incumbents there, the small business owners, have every disadvantage in the world, with the exception of the fact that they can provide a truly unique uh, experience to their customers. And so, on the one hand, the pressures have never been bigger. The stakes have never been higher. The the competitors have never been more powerful. On the other hand, you know you have the small business owner that has this natural advantage of providing something unique that they can't they can't get anywhere else. So they just have to have good ways of attracting customers and really being able to get them engaged with that business so that they come back again and again. It can't be done the same way you know that a large company does it. They can't outspend them in advertising. They can't do you know these sophisticated retargeting campaigns, um, but they can do things to get um, customers in the door and get them to come back and to experience that unique flavor that they can provide. And that's really kind of the the the, the thesis that we're building off of at Wombly. That's, that's super interesting because I think, yeah, it's very clear that things are changing, right? And there's no sign of things going back to the way they were. So I think this adaption is, is very necessary, especially for small businesses. Yeah, I mean, one, one classic example that we talk about all the time is in the past, the way that you would find and patronize a business in your town, in your, in your neighborhood is, you know, maybe you're window shopping, you know, you're walking around town literally or driving around town and you stop at a place that fits the bill or you're thumbing through the yellow pages. Maybe it's just classic word of mouth, you know, hey, anybody know of a good mechanic? And, you know, you, you call people or talk to people in your neighborhood to find out where to go. Now, like the, the essence of those things is still true, but the channels by which um, that information travels are totally different. So now when someone's looking for a business nearby, they pull out their smartphone and they do a near me search either on Google or on Yelp or on TripAdvisor or Facebook. And the social proof and like the ability to bubble up local businesses through those channels has never been like more powerful um, but you have to worry about things like word of mouth showing up in the form of an online review or an online review star rating. Um, so you have to manage that as opposed to trying to take care of word of mouth behind the scenes where you never had a seat at the table. So it's it's interesting in that, you know, the, the Internet has really become a, a massive boon to small businesses, even brick and mortar businesses. People find physical businesses online first and they investigate them before they ever decide to set foot in the store. Um, which is why Google has found that foot traffic to local businesses is down uh, like 57%, but the value of every customer interaction is three times higher because they've made their mind up by the time they show up that they're going to spend money with you. That just fundamentally changes the way that small businesses have to think about marketing their companies. Right, right. So, Brad, I wanted to 
you know, to, in, in an effort to contextualize these issues a little bit more, I wanted to kind of go over a question we asked you before we started our conversation today, right? So we asked you, what emerging trends have you witnessed within the industry over the past year? So, and, and I feel like your answers were perfect for our little topic, which was basically, you know, what do we need to know about small business marketing? So I kind of want to go point by point. I'll bring them up for you so you don't have to worry about it. <laughs> sure. Yeah. So number one, the shift in marketing priorities for small business. Can you elaborate on that a little bit? Yep. So if you think about the way that you market a small business, uh, in the past, you, there really was only one way you would advertise. And that could manifest itself a lot of different ways. You could be buying an ad in the yellow pages or in the local newspaper, the radio station. Maybe you're you know, putting a vinyl sign up on, you know, the outfield fence of the high school uh, baseball field. You know, those are all good things. Um, now, you really do have a different order of operations for how you market a business. The first and most important prerequisite before you do any kind of advertising is really taking care of your online presence. So back to what I was mentioning a moment ago, every business, including physical brick and mortar mom and pop shops, has an online presence. And all that means is that uh, your business has a footprint on the internet. So if I search for Joe's Taco Shop, I'm going to find a Yelp profile. Whether or not that business ever created it, there's a Yelp profile for that business that's going to have hours of operation. It's going to maybe have a menu. Um, and I can claim that business if I'm the business owner, that business page. And I can actually update my hours of operation and my menu and make sure that everything's accurate. And I can then re read and respond to reviews. Um, you have your own website, you have your Google My Business page, and this is a very different world from, you know, the world that a lot of these small business owners started their business in even 10 years ago. And so uh, if you think about advertising as an example, let's say you start there and you're spending a lot of money on advertising. Well, those consumers who hear your advertisement are still going to look you up on the internet. They're going to find out where you are. They're going to find out what other customers are saying about the experience there. They're going to find out your hours of operation. If all that information is bad, you've basically uh, put good money into advertising uh, people away from your business. And so the first step really does have to be taking control of the online presence. And then, you know, the second step before we advise people getting into advertising is taking care of your existing customers. So most small businesses don't have sophisticated uh, plans or programs for getting customers who are already spending money with them to come back in the door. That's a huge feat if you get somebody to, you know, overcome the inertia of not going to Chili's and instead going to your restaurant, not going to Jiffy Lube and instead going to your tire shop or lube shop, et cetera, et cetera. You need to keep that customer warm. And we find, you know, there's research that up to 80% of customers who are satisfied with the business never come back. It's because they're getting inundated with customer marketing. So businesses that have already had them come and spend money with them are, are sending them messages and incentives to come back. So the next step after taking control of your online presence really is finding a way to re-engage your existing customers and getting them to come back. After the, you do those two things, then we suggest layering advertising and loyalty programs on top of that, because then you start to amplify um, those, those good foundations that you've already built. Right, right. All right. So number two, Brad, you put down rapid adoption of software as a service. Yeah. So this goes back to what I was mentioning earlier in that uh, the, soft, the small business uh, market for software has been really kind of underserved. So small business owners... What's happened in the past, and this may be like a little bit of inside baseball, but like you, you're, a, you're a software company and you have a great idea for maybe an HR technology system. It's going to help you manage your employees. And so you say, okay, how do I actually build this company? 
well, it's going to be very feature light software at first, and it's going to be, I can't like charge a lot because I'm competing against more feature rich competitors. So the path is you sell to small businesses while it's feature light, while it's inexpensive. And the whole time you're planning on building up the feature set so that you can eventually graduate to the enterprise level customer and sell it to a larger customer. So this has happened for 20 years to small businesses. They've been priced out. They've helped businesses uh, who sell software create their software platforms and get them really to the point where they're pretty amazing software systems. And then they get priced out and graduated uh, out of that, that process. And so um, that's changing now. There's a lot of saturation in the enterprise uh, with software. And now small businesses are starting to realize, one, you know, we've been left behind. And two, uh, we actually do need some kind of a, a system to get leverage uh, and, and run the business better because they can only scale their own time and effort so far. And so that, that's why you've seen from 2011 to now, the adoption curve go from 27% of businesses using software to run their business to 94%. And so you're starting to see the same kind of saturation happen with small businesses in a very quick succession. Um, it is changing the way that, you know, the software world thinks about the market. And, you know, hopefully we're going to see more and more companies start to respond to the very specific needs that small businesses have instead of trying to sort of use them as a springboard to get into the enterprise. Yeah, yeah, that's super interesting that you've seen that direct shift. So, Brad, to take a break before we hit number three, can you go a little bit more into depth about some of the difficulties that might come with some of this uh, adoption? Is market education an obstacle at all? Is it difficult to penetrate some of these businesses where maybe they're hesitant to technology or, or hesitant to change? So this is not a new problem. There certainly is a market education need with small businesses. But, you know, this is the same case that we've seen over and over again. Like the very first tablet uh, was introduced years and years before iPad came out. And so the use case really had to be defined. When iPad came out, it was like, well, who's going to use that? It's just like a bigger version of your iPhone that's not connected to any kind of uh, um, of call data. So what are you, you going to use it for? And then, you know, since then, of course, we've seen a million um, use cases for iPads that we couldn't have imagined. So there are ideas that are ahead of their time sometimes. And there are, are there's always like a lag between the, the market need and the market recognizing that need. And so with small businesses, the market education problem that is uh, that we're encountering right now is there is no existing use case for a lot of the technology that we're talking about. So uh, when we talk to a small business owner, for example, about online reviews, someone gets a negative review on Yelp, their mind immediately goes to, well, that's not fair. And like, why would somebody, why is Yelp letting somebody write a negative review about me on a, a website that everyone can see. And so, you know, our perspective is that as long as online review sites are being managed with the business owner's best interest in mind, it's actually created an amazing channel for them to acquire new customers and get visibility and um, a seat at the table at those conversations that they've never had before. Some Somebody's been saying something bad about small businesses behind the scenes forever. So they really just have to think about this differently. It's like, look, if I engage these customers, I might actually acquire more customers because people see that I'm taking the time to respond to this customer. I actually care. And I'm going to show up more when people are searching for local businesses because I'm connected to you know the search algorithm now. So that's a totally new way of thinking about customer acquisition for a small business owner that maybe started their business 40 or 50 years ago and it's been handed down you know through a generation or two. And this is true for re-engaging existing customers for the way the advertising has changed, really every aspect of how you acquire 
retain and engage customers has fundamentally changed for small businesses. And so, you know, whether uh, they start to recognize this in the next six months or in the next six years is an open question, like on mass. But we already are seeing, you know, some evidence uh, through the, the statistics I already mentioned to you about adoption rates that there's some recognition here. But this is a large part of what we're doing is trying to educate small businesses that, hey, look, you know, the, the way that um, people find your business has changed. So your approach has to change as well. Right, right. Yeah, I think that that level of engagement and and intimacy is a is a benefit, right? It's something that a larger enterprise doesn't have. So I think, yeah, it did. It makes total sense to have these smaller business engage with that, right? There's huge returns on that. So if you're a big company, um, you know, people love to hate big businesses for one. So uh, Gallup did some research recently that showed that big businesses are seen as uh, seen pretty poorly by consumers. They're rated only above Congress at the very bottom of the list of public institutions in terms of how favorably the, the public sees them. Small businesses are right below like uh, war veterans as far as how positively people see them. So the, the takeaway from that is that people want small businesses to win. They may like defer to the convenience of like Amazon's way easier to use if I'm in a shop for something right now. Or, you know, it's just I, I see like an Applebee's like right down the street. I'll just go there. I know what to expect. But there are plenty of people who um, are just need a little prodding to go out and spend money with a small business, a local business. And once they get connected to that business, they become they can become very uh, loyal, loyal uh, patrons of that business. And so, you know, the psychology of the internet changes everything, including how people interact with the business and make a decision about where to spend money. If a small business can just harness that, capture it and use it to their advantage, they can actually do better now with less effort than they've ever done before. Right, right. I know, like, even personally, that definitely, you know, does a lot for me as a consumer. So let's go back to number three in our list of what we need to know about small business marketing. You put down the rise of digital threats to small businesses. Can you expand on that a little bit? Yeah, so we've done a lot of research in this regard, and there's a lot of secondary research that we've cited as well. And so this is a, a kind of abstract world, admittedly. Like, if you're a, let's say you run a, a small boutique retail shop, you may think that the most um, harmful threats to your business are a break in, you know, someone doing a smash and grab and like raiding your till or, you know, a flood or a fire or maybe even a hurricane. And what we found is that increasingly digital threats to physical businesses have a greater impact, not only on their, their ability to create revenue, but their ability to bounce back and respond. So like the business ending blow to a business is more likely to come from a digital threat like uh, a slew of negative reviews or a cyber hack or maybe just like a really poor online presence, broken links on your website or, uh, you know, incorrect hours of operation, those kinds of things. Then it is to come from other things that uh, we traditionally see as being harm, harmful to small businesses. So as one example for comparison, uh, we curate transaction uh, data for millions of small businesses, gives us a really interesting view into the interactions between American consumers and local businesses around the entire country. And we can do some interesting research with that. So last hurricane season, after Hurricane Harvey hit, after uh, the hurricane season also uh, uh, battered the, uh, the Florida coast, we went in and said, okay, let's do some analysis with our data science team and find out how what the impact was against those businesses. Um, while there are some like notable exceptions at the micro level, at a high level, on average, businesses across 20 different categories that we were tracking returned to normal revenue levels within one week of the storm. So 
while the hurricane had a pretty massive uh, short-term impact, the long-term impact was pretty small for most businesses. Now, certainly there are some that were flooded and maybe never reopened, but we're looking at a high level. When you compare that against um, something like online reputation, uh, the Hartford, which is an insurance company, has ranked all the different kinds of harm that can come to a business and the, the cost per claim, and reputational harm was far and away the worst. It was like six times worse than a burglary or, or a flood. So it's $50,000 per claim. So uh, you, when you get a negative review, that is reputational harm. When you have broken links on your website that are causing people either to not be able to find you or when they do find you, they think that you look kind of junior varsity, that's reputational harm. Your online presence is your digital storefront, and it really does have a massive impact on your ability to attract customers and really maintain a, a solid flow of revenue. So that's what we mean is if you're a small business, you don't have a great way uh, of tracking digital threats and responding to them and knowing what to do. This is, again, another emerging business problem for small businesses that we're trying to help solve. Right, right. So, Brad, to, to wrap up, as a leader in the industry, what do you see on the horizon? What is the future of small business? You know, like I think a lot of people are, are scared, right? And I think rightfully so, as we see the rise of massive companies like Amazon. What do you see, you know, in the next five to 10 years in regard to their stability and, and their ability to, you know, remain a, a pillar in, in the marketplace? Yeah, so we're really bullish on small businesses' ability to weather whatever storms may be here now or whatever storms may be coming. That's why we're in business. Um, if we weren't really confident in you know, their future, then we would be doing something else. <laughs> and uh, so there's, there's, obviously, there's obvious challenges, right? So small businesses do face you know, these, these, these goliaths of the industry who have all these massive advantages. But going back to what I, something I mentioned earlier, the thing that nobody can really replicate with a small business is the unique experience. And we have seen the, um, the kind of like uh, collective consumer consciousness gravitate toward uh, experiences and, and consuming experiences as opposed to things. And so mass producers of things are always going to have their place. Mass producers of food, of uh, stuff, of whatever the case might be, and you know, having a predictable experience. Walmart, you go to Walmart because you want a predictable experience. You go to a boutique retailer because you want a unique experience. And being able to exploit that advantage is really the, the secret strength of a small business. And the way that you really maximize your ability to exploit that strength is you give as much work as you can to automated systems and you focus on doubling down on the customer experience. And that's what we're really trying to enable. And so if that can happen at scale, the U.S. small business ecosystem is 30 million businesses. And when you talk about the mom and pop shops, it's at least six to seven million businesses. And that's how many we have now, not to mention people who may be getting into this in the future. We don't want to discourage future entrepreneurs from you know, going away from opening you know, a mechanic shop or a salon. We want them to see a very clear and successful path there. What we believe is that like, because some of these channels have opened up and allowed people to find local businesses more easily, there's actually like a pretty bright future for small businesses. They have tools at their disposal now that they didn't have many, many years ago. They have uh, ways of communicating and engaging with customers they didn't have before. If they can harness those things and really exploit them to their benefit and to the benefit of their customers, uh, we think that small businesses could have a real renaissance and have success like they've maybe never experienced before. 
So that's really the, the future that we're driving toward and that we hope uh, comes to pass. Right. Well, Brad, thank you so much for joining us today. I really appreciate your time. Yeah, right back at you. Appreciate the time. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. If you'd like to find out more or listen to previous episodes, you can go to marketscale.com industries and subscribe to articles, podcasts, and video content for your favorite industries. I'm your host, Elmer Guardado. Have a good day.